Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Because it's a dog's life with pet and cannabis expert Angela Ardolino. Learn the best holistic practices from top pet industry professionals and listen in on why CBD might be a whole different animal for your best in show buddy. Here's your new best friend about pets, Angela Ardolino. Hi, everybody. It's A Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, and I'm excited about my guest today. She's one of my uh, favorite people. I don't know if she knows that, but I feel like we live kind of uh, the same type of lives because um, I didn't intend to become a rescue that rescued senior dogs, but it's something that happens um, because as dogs get older, they get a lot more problems. And especially if you were been, you've been feeding them a, you know, commercial kibble diet, all of that starts to surface when they become seniors. Um, so problems just eight, nine years old, they, the problems just start coming and they don't stop. And then you go see your vet. And a lot of times the vet's going to give you a prescription medication that then also causes all kinds of side effects, which causes more prescription meds. And it's kind of like a disaster. Um, so I understand it. I understand that it's a lot of work and that it is costly. However, I can't imagine in a million years getting rid of my senior pet. Um, but it happens because I got a house full of them and I know my guest has a house full of them. I'm going to welcome my guest, uh, Michelle Allen, Allen from Monkey's House Rescue. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Angela. Thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. You bet. Where are you calling us from today? From my house, which is Monkey's House in Southampton, New Jersey. That's the southern part of New Jersey. And how's it going? So those of we're, um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I'm sure everyone will know what we're going through. But we're in the, uh, we're in isolation right now because of the coronavirus. And um, so you have a rescue and you have how many dogs at your rescue right now? Um, at the exact moment right now, we have 23 here, and then we have a few in temporary foster during this time period, and we have seven off-site in forever foster. Wonderful. And so usually on a typical day, how many volunteers do you have come help throughout the day? Um, on a bad day, one. On a great day, eight. <laughs> um, wow. It depends what's going on. But yeah, we have a lot of help. But this entire time you've been in isolation, it's just been you and your husband, correct? Yes. Yes. So, Doing a lot of creative, um, creative management here. I'm sure. So tell us about, um, you've got 23 that are there that you're taking care of. What does your day look like? Um, it starts hopping and it doesn't end. Uh, this morning, it was great. My hubby got up and fed them breakfast. Um, so when I got down here, they were ready for their walks and things. But um I get everybody out, walked, uh, get them back in the house, make sure when I'm walking, I, I assess them, make sure they're looking okay, their toenails are okay, nothing is bleeding, you know, the usual stuff. And um, their day has started while I'm still out walking. Um, then around lunchtime, we take a quick break and then things start again in the afternoon and they seem to go um, until around 10 or 11 when we quit. <laughs> we just quit. <laughs> wow. And um, your, your seniors, do they all get along? Does everybody go out together and hang out together? And are they all senior citizens? 
We have um, we have a puppy uh, that's ours. He's in great health, um, and it's it's great to have the distraction of the youth. Um, but um, they do go out. We have a we have a yard out back that we can put them in. But we have a few that won't go potty out there. Um, we have some that are, are blind and deaf and won't move that much on their own. They need the the guidance of the leash to get, get them going. Um, we have two that don't prefer the company of others, so they have their own little apartments. Um, but aside from that, everyone for the most part gets alone. We just we just do close supervision. How fun! Now I want to know how the heck you got into this. What made you start this? What was the beginnings <laughs> of the Monkey House? Well, you know, like everything else in life, it was an accident. But I feel like I, in retrospect, I've been guided to here. Um, but in uh, 2009, um, my one dog had passed away. And my side of the story, it was, it was all of a sudden. Someone else will say she had pancreatitis. She was sick many times. Um, but that left us with one dog. And we had adopted, I had adopted a dog as a child. And then my husband and I adopted a dog when we first got married. And after that, the dogs just found us. And having one dog was not enough. I was really in a, not a good emotional place. So I called a friend who volunteered at a shelter and I said, Joanne, I can't go in there. It's too sad. Can you find me a dog? And she said, well, well, yes, but no, like there's paperwork, there's dog meets. You, you got to tell me who your vet is. <laughs> um, you know, she said, we'll get you a dog. And I said, all right. I said, I'll get you the paperwork. I'll tell you about my vet. Um, I can't go in there. She said, well, tell me what you want. And I said, anything. It can be old. It can be ugly. I don't care. So uh, when I got there, um, she had three dogs. I, I said, you know, anything that's harder to place is fine with me. And she had one dog that was a gigantic 130 pound dog that had lived outside. And I was worried he might be too much for me. The other one, um, she said that his looks would make him slower to place. And I said, is he ugly? And she says, well, it depends how you look at him. You know, she's just, um, but he was about seven or eight and his name was Poncho. He's a little guy, feisty. And I said, fine, I'll take them. And she said, well, there's one more. And it was a 13 and a half year old, very frightened little shih tzu that was, they were keeping in their cat area because it was much quieter there. And um, she had been surrendered for, for euthanasia actually. And I said, well, I'll take her too. So, um, you know, I told my husband one, came home with two. When I took him to the vet, my vet said, you know, the two of them don't, aren't one third of the weight of your last dog. And I said, I know I'm not a little dog person, but I'm going to wing it. And, um, it was amazing. It was very healing. Um, the, the grief, the, this just awful absence of my dog that had passed, um, it filled that spot, not in a cheating way, just in a moving along kind of a way. Yep. And uh, it was such a great experience. And I wanted to give back um, without going into the shelter. <laughs> um, and uh, so I started um, collecting um, towels, food, supplies. Um, I have a commercial washing machine here and I started doing their laundry. Um, and then eventually over time started fostering. And, you know, before I knew it, they had me walking into the shelter and they were great. They really kind of held my hand through the whole process. Um, the second dog we fostered was um, a dog that was really thin. She was a golden retriever. She had a big lump on her side. And she was, she, she was stressed out in the shelter, not laying down. So they called me at work and said, you know, hey, do you want to foster her? She, she needs to lay down. She needs some groceries. Sure, that's my specialty, you know. And I got her and could not get her to eat. And she, she did lay down, but I couldn't get her to eat. And she, through my journey with her, um, 
through trying to get her vet care, trying to find out what was going on with her. Um, when you're fostering, you need to use their, their vet um, and you're, you've got someone else's dog that you're responsible for. Um, they, when I spoke with the shelter, they didn't feel like she needed a vet. They felt like I just needed to feed her and bring her in for the surgery. And I understand that they're not used to people bucking the system. So I took her to my vet, my vet, um, explained the situation. Um, and my vet agreed that I had good reasons to be concerned about this dog and concerned about her having surgery. And she helped me out with some fluids, some appetite stimulants, that kind of thing. But she said, I think something bad is going on with this dog. And as time got closer for the dog's surgery, the shelter called to confirm my appointment again. And I, I said, she's still not doing well. And they said, it's okay. You're doing a great job. We really appreciate it. Just bring her here. And um, so I found out who was doing the surgery and I made an appointment at a regular office as if I was a regular person off the street. And um, the minute the vet tech left the room and the vet came in, I burst into tears. I said, listen, that's not the dog's real name. That's not my real name. You know, I'm, I'm a foster gone rogue. Um, I'm, I'm financially responsible for this appointment, but this is what's going on with this dog that's supposed to have surgery. And this vet was amazing. It was the end of the day. You know, for her, it's a regular day at the end of the day. And she walks into this room with this foster mom that's, you know, gone rogue. Yeah. And um, after a, a, an assessment and some, uh, some, some minor testing, she was 99% sure that this dog had a brain tumor and that she was definitely in the end stage of her life. And she... She told me this dog was dying. I mean, how do you not fall in love with anything you're fostering? That's what foster bombs do. That's what we do. And um, she, she told me that Goldie was dying and, you know, that this was kind of the end. And she was so glad that I had intervened and made sure she didn't have the surgery. And um, she empowered me. She said, you were an advocate for this dog. You didn't lie. You didn't misrepresent yourself. You were an advocate for this dog. And she said, I know this dog really appreciates it. And I really appreciate it. And she turned the whole situation around for me. So we adopted her. Her name was Goldie, promised to love her forever. Um, we did put her down very shortly thereafter. Um, continued to foster for that shelter. And we're all good friends. They just good. know that, that I go rogue. <laughs> <laughs> I, go, I go rogue often also it's Good. crazy we're gonna we're gonna talk about more rogue stories after we take a short break we'll be right back awesome it's a dog's life we'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk elevate your every day with that shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of shuggies add a cup of shuggies to your morning coffee ah how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take anywhere treat. It's time to hemp present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! 
presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet Sativa. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, great. We're back with Michelle Allen from A Monkey's House, um, which now, so this I'm assuming with Goldie is the beginning. Yes. So once they found out I took sick dogs because I'm a nurse and I'm willing to identify death. Um, so then the phone started ringing and other shelters were asking, rescues were asking. And um, during my journey with Goldie, we covered her expenses, um, which were about $1,200 at the time, which was birthday money, sacred stash, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I, to, to take care of an animal, you, you really do have to have an accurate vet assessment and whatever testing they feel is absolutely necessary. Um, sometimes that involves medication. So, and in shelter medicine, that's not what the really sick and the hospice fosters, that's not how the money is spent. So Jeff and I would adopt the dogs and take care of them. And um, it was kind of an expensive hobby. Um, you, you know, dogs are more expensive the last year or two of their life, as are people. And, um, you know, we felt like what we were doing was worthwhile, but it was um, very expensive. And people would call and they'd say, well, when are you going to have an opening? Well, I don't want the dog I have now to die. Like I I've committed to them and I want them to be here for as long as they're feeling right. well. So I kept thinking, how could I do this on a grander scheme? How many dogs could I handle? How many dogs could we afford? How could we raise money? How could I get people to help? If I'm willing to do the really gut-wrenching stuff, what else could we do? And slowly over time, I was very patient. I didn't want to jump into things. I didn't want to become a hoarder. I didn't want to be in over my head. So I, I really... I really thought about it. I took nutrition classes. Um, I took behavioral classes. I, I did everything I could to learn, to, to teach myself to be ready for this position. And um, things unfolded just the way they're supposed to, I think. Amazing. I love that. And so how did you figure out what your limit is? Like, I feel like I've kind of instinctively figured out what my limit is. Um, but I never know when I'm going to get somebody with a lot of problems or one of the seniors is going to have a lot, have a huge problem come up or something's going to pop up that takes all your time and energy. But if I'm out of town, you know, everybody does a really great job, um, who helps me here, but yeah, you know, I'm out of town and something happens and they're like, Oh, what do we do? Type of thing. So I can't even imagine. Um, so you have 23 dogs now. Tell me about some of your dogs and 
So, and some of the advocacy work you've done, some of the other things that you've done in your community that I know are amazing and I'd love for you to share with us. Oh, thank you. Um, so um, we, our dogs here have a range. I'm looking around like, what kind of dogs do I have here? I'm with them 24 hours a day. Um, we have, so all of our dogs that come here come from shelters. Um, once in a while, if we have a spot, we'll take one from a rescue. If they pulled one that's a hospice dog and um, they choose to, the foster is really preferring not to have that experience. Um, so it seems like right now we have a German shepherd, a gigantic German shepherd who's beautiful. And he has DM, which is doggy ALS, right. Eric's disease. Um, he doesn't have use of his back end and he has very little use of his front end. He can't get into a, like a two wheel cart. He needs a four wheel cart. Um, he can't pivot or drag himself, but um, we've been working with him out in the driveway, putting him in the quad cart and, and he'll take a few steps. You, you start pushing and then you just gently let your hands off and he'll continue to take a few steps. So that's been exciting to see him progress. We have another dog that just joined us. She has I said, eight teeth and two paws. Um, she's missing one whole back leg at the hip socket and then the other leg just, just below the hock. And she's got this gigantic mammary chain, nasty mammary, mammary chain that I'm pretty sure is probably cancer. But she had a dental and she barely kind of got, got out of that. So we're just giving her a little health time to see if we can beef her up a little bit. Um, but she's amazing. Her name is Ariel and she uh, got a card about three weeks ago and she just took off. There was no adjusting. There was no adapting. There was no, let's do 10 minutes and then get her out. No, put her in. She took off after the UPS guy. <laughs> it's great. It's really beautiful to see that kind of thing happening. <laughs> we have. They don't know. They don't know what their issues are. I, I love, I think the funniest thing um, about the older dogs is how they demand for everything that they want. And, you know, they can have something wrong with them, like a, a, a tumor that's oozing right on their shoulder or their eyes having some ooze attack or whatever, and they don't care. They're sitting there barking at you, asking for whatever you're eating or dinner time or to go out. It's, they don't know. They don't know what they look like. They don't know that, that anything's wrong with them. So the moment you give them, you know, especially when you relieve their pain, um, you know, they come back to life. You know, they, they come back to life and they enjoy life and they, they're, just, they're just like senior citizens. I'm hoping that we get to a point where we have retirement homes for dogs like we do for people. Because a lot of people end up with their parents' dogs who have passed and they can't take care of them or don't want to take care of them. And they end up at the shelter. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but when I go, all my pets are taken care of. And, you know, I could put that money towards a nice little retirement home knowing that my pet, you know, is yeah. being taken care of. I mean, I know people do it in wills. It's in my will. So why not? You know? Exactly. Exactly. Because it's... It's not fair. It, you know, you have to know that your dog is going to get old and that there's going to be health issues and that you're going to have to spend more time at the vet and you're going to have to figure out stuff. And sometimes you even have to change their diets and their supplements because they're getting older, just like us. And I don't think people realize that they go through some of the same things that we go through. They do. They go through all the same things that we go through. And and they love us and they adore us. And that's the hardest part is these dogs come from the shelter. They're pretty broken. And it just 
stinks. And and I would like to say to people, hey, look what you did to this dog. Right. Um, one time I got a phone call from a guy that through a friend of a friend of a friend, he got my number. This was way before Monkey's House. His mom had fallen and she lived in assisted living in a house um, and broke her hip and was on the floor for about 18 hours. And her little dog was by her side. And he was, he lived out of state and he needed someone to pick up this little dog and to take care of it for a while. And so it was a weird story, but you know, okay. And sweet little guy. And the next door neighbor had been feeding him cat food. I think she just wasn't familiar with dogs, but she did a great job. Um, you know, get, gave them to me. And I thought, I've got to get to this woman. I've, I've got to let her know her dog is okay. And it, one of my greatest accomplishments in this life, I have to say, is that when I called the rehab where she was at, they did allow dogs, but they had to have blood work. They had to have a note from the vet. You know, there were certain things that they required. And when I brought him in, I didn't tell her I was coming. And there was some flustering at the desk. They really weren't sure to how, to, how to sign a dog in. Um, and a few weeks later when we were done visiting, um, there was dogs there all the time. They knew how to sign people in. I just felt like, yes, people are getting to be with the, the reason they want to fight to get out of there and to get home. You know, that's pretty cool. Thank you. But in meeting this woman and surprising her with seeing her dog, first she was crying so hard she couldn't talk for a little bit, but she said she was so scared for her life and this dog never left her side, never. When she was able to call for help, he would bark. And... Um, she said, you know, that the emergency squad locked him in the bathroom as they were being wheeled out. And she said she knew he had to go potty. She knew he needed water and he was being locked in the bathroom and she was leaving him here. He didn't leave her and she was leaving him. And that just really was a wow thing for me. You know, I mean, wow. And, you know, and who do you want if you're stuck on the floor really for 18 hours, who do you want with you? If you're scared and hurting really bad because you have a really couple bad breaks, breaks in your bones, there's very few people that could meet that criteria. Really a dog is who you want with you. Right. Um, and that was just a real wow movement about how people need to not just take them to a shelter. They really do need to make plans because it's, it's not cool. It's not fair. And it's not fair at all. And it's not fair to, um, you know, if the person does pass, that's the last thing that they would want for their beloved animal. So yep. it breaks my heart when, I see it happen and it happens all the time. The other thing that's happened that happens is that, you know, these animals are so important to these senior citizens. And a lot of times these senior citizens can't even drive to go take them to the vet or take them to be groomed. So, I mean, when we got, when I bought my um, boarding and grooming shop, I was amazed at the people who were getting in the car. Of course, they wait till it's too long and the dog's a mess, and then they get in the car and drive, and I'm like, no, we will come pick up the dog. So, like, there needs to be a whole nonprofit on just senior citizens who are able to feed their dogs, let them out, take care of them, but when they get to the point that they can't drive, someone needs to help them, or when they get sick. I mean, right now, my newest rescue is someone that went into the hospital because she broke her back. She has no idea when she's going to be you know, back or ready to take her pet back again. Yeah. So, you know, these places like the monkey house are so important and I'm so glad that you're there. I love that you educated yourself um, and diet and nutrition. So I'm sure that you're using that knowledge to help them in their senior years. What are some of the things that you're doing, what that you're feeding them that's helping them nutritionally? 
We'll answer that after a quick break. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, Pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. All right, we're back. Diet and nutrition. You had studied that. So what are some of the things you're implementing in the seniors' diets that that you see is really helping them? Because as we know, the immune system lives in the gut. And I know I've seen it at my rescue, changing the diet changes everything. Everything, everything. You know, the diet... The diet change was the key for me because I I fed kibble for most of my entire life and I spent three seconds dumping the food in the bowl, making sure the dog ate it. They had five seconds to eat it. And if they didn't eat it, my day was ruined because I was going to have to stop and pick up chicken and rice on the way home. I mean, it was, it's not something I gave thought to. Right. And um, I took a course, Dr. Morgan was having just a little class. It was to benefit the animal orphanage. Um, and I, I thought, well, I'll support the, the orphanage and see, you know, maybe I'll learn something. And I'll tell you, it just plugged in. Dr. Morgan was able to answer all the questions for me that I had been struggling with as I, as my own dogs, as I was trying to figure out diets for them. Um, because, because if your dog has liver cancer, you don't want to feed them white rice and manager special chicken that if you don't cook that night is going to be bad. You know, you know, like you really do need to up your game. And there's so little information, accurate information um, out there that at the time there was less, there was much less information out there uh, on how to balance it, what to do if your 94 pound lab steals 11 pounds of turkey, um, like what you serve for dinner and, you know, like that kind of really what, what it all meant. Um, but in just a three hour seminar that I took, I made some significant changes in the feeding program here. Everyone rent to fresh uh, or uh, 
raw or home cooked. And one night my husband and I were walking out back. We have a, about six acres out back and they were all behaving like kindergartners on recess. That was kind of crazy. And I would think the average age was like between nine and 15. Some dogs were in carts. Your dogs were on leashes because they're deaf and blind and they're all having a blast. And when the, the, the cool thing about switching the diet of an older dog is you just in, in less than a week, you see things change that you didn't know were broken. You see things, you see major problems decrease. Um, it's, it's, it's life-changing. It's life-changing to see, to have the, the gift of being able to make a change like that in another animal's life and just see all that goes on. Um, and it's given me the confidence, you know, show me the sickest dog in the world. As long as it's not going to be contagious for the dogs that are here, I'm game. You know, you know, like, me too. That's, I mean, it's become a, I have nothing else to lose. If I'm being handed it from a vet, from a family that's given up, a shelter that's given up, or, you know, think that I have nothing to lose. Yeah. So the first thing we do is go to the CBD. And the second is, is we put them on a, you know, cool protein, fresh diet. And we, you know, we call it the Benjamin Button plan. They go backwards in life and you they see do. Come back to life. And we've seen dogs get up. And I mean, I've been doing this now for, four or five years. So I have seen everything. Dogs walk again, tumors go disappear, cancer go away, everything. And that's my secret is CBD and a raw, fresh diet does most of the work. Because it really does. It, it supports, you know, CBD brings the body to homeostasis and the gut is where the immune system lives. So both of them working together, you really can take care of your dog. Your dog can not have, of course, it's still going to be a senior, but it's not going to be de decrepit or in pain. Um, you know, so, and you've used, I know, um, some CBD on your rescue. Tell me about some of your experiences with that. Um, so, so first, one of the things I want to just share is Hernando said something to me a few days ago that was kind of a wow moment, moment for me. He said, it's, it's not the size of the dog that determines the dosing. It is the, the beast that you're fighting, if it's cancer, if it's seizures, that's, that's what you're treating. So um, in the past, I've, I've, I was trying a CBD product um, on a little dog that was, that kept having seizures and I just felt like it wasn't working. I was giving so much and it just wasn't helping. And I, I didn't understand that you need to fight, you need to fight the beast, not the size of the dog. So that's been a real wow moment for me. Um, but one of the things I've been using um, your CBD what, what I like is that it's broken down into different products to help with different issues. Mm -hmm. And one of our dogs, actually the one that I was saying that's um, got the ALS, he's got some separation anxiety. You go out of the room, he starts to bark or cry. So, if, you know, he has Kongs, he has stuff around, but I don't, the crying's not cool. He needs to be okay. And I, so um, I've been, I've been using your, your Calm product. And honestly, I give him a little bit and I stay with him and he's just like, Hey, go do your thing, lady. It's okay with me. And it's, it's just so neat to see. Um, I initially um, purchased to start all of the dogs here on it, on, on all of the products. And I was running around trying to get it in everybody. And, and I thought, let me just stop. Let me just stop and observe so that I can see the changes. Um, because th that's really the best way to learn how to use things and to get confidence in how to, in how to use things. I'm so um, glad that you're saying that because that's what every pet owner needs to do for their pet to be a good pet parent because we are fighting an industry that is 
the end the industry overall is mad at me for not going with the weight um, recommendation, but the industry didn't go to school for this. Like I did. I did. I know that this, that I'm right. And that this is a fact. This is science. This has nothing to do with opinion or what works for an industry or on a label. And you can't say it. I, I have hundreds of examples now, even with my own pack of, this dog, even for anxiety, who's nine pounds needs 18 milligrams when the 50 pound dog only needs four milligrams to calm down. So it's a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system and everybody's is different and everybody has different deficiencies. And when they're fighting a deadly disease or a painful disease, they need a lot more of the medicine. They need a higher milligram and sometimes they even need more THC. So yeah, I'm glad I spread that message because people are very confused and I get it. Some people are confused or some people are, are scared that they're going to give them too much and they're going to overdose or get sick. And we know that that's not a fact and that nobody has ever died or been harmed by THC or cannabis medicine. So we can get rid of that. Now the problem is people not giving their pets enough, you know, to get rid of pain, get rid of disease, get rid of cancer. Um, I have a new slogan and that's that every senior human and pet should be on a CBD regimen because it really does get rid of those aches and pains and joint pain and hip dysplasia and, you know, the knees popping out of place. And, you know, you mentioned how you liked ours because it's divided into, you know, different tinctures. That's because that's what I saw coming into my shop is, okay, we've got allergies, we've got (laughs) anxious, and we've got serious pain. So I'm glad you're able to start using them. Have you had any other success um, with any of your other dogs? Um, yeah, I've had some success with one of my allergy dogs who's pretty darn itchy and he is much less itchy. And I gave him a bath the other day and I was noticing the inside of his ears were really dirty, but they didn't smell. He wasn't shaking his head. Like it was, it was almost like a, like a cleaning of the system or a, like, like, like I said, not, they're not, inf- they're, they were gross. And it was really glad I noticed, I'm glad I noticed that I cleaned them, but there was no infection in there. And he wasn't scratching, which was was pretty amazing. I was really surprised at that. And a lot of this stuff, like I said, I'm still in the infancy stages. I've been using your products for maybe six weeks, eight weeks. Um, so I'm still very much in the infancy stages of learning the potential that's here. But I, I wanted to go slow so that I can absorb it and so that I can make those changes and, and notice. Um, and like I said, so yeah, I can use them better. Please. Yeah, please take journal, a journal down, pictures, because even being with the dog every day, you forget. And when you look at a, back at a picture, you're like, whoa. And if you've got tumors or anything like that, those are the easiest things to get rid of with the salves and a tincture in the mouth. You got anybody that's achy? Um, I don't know if you, <laughs> you can take it. It's human grade. Um, Rodney Habib's uh, German Shepherd has uh, ALS also, and he uses our heel tincture all the time. 
and he sees a huge difference. And it was really funny because he's in Canada. So we were able to go into a dispensary and get a um, tincture that had more THC in it because I thought it would help, but it didn't. Too much THC made her pee, wet the bed at night, couldn't hold it. Um, didn't like it. So he actually swears by ours with the 0.3, but it is a full spectrum product. So he can tell in her mood, he can tell in her pain levels, everything that it's made such a huge difference. And that's what people need to understand is that the quality of life, not being able to feel pain or be in a bad mood as a dog who's aging or dying is a wonderful thing because we don't, that's at the end of the day, we don't want them to suffer. We don't. And, and and a dog that's dying, they're still living. As long as they're still breathing, they're still living. So they don't because want to have know. a bad day. Nope, right. they don't know. And and they're really, they're more willing to, to embrace the moment than people will ever be. And it's really a gift that they have. Um, our, our, our DM dog, um, he joined us about eight weeks ago. And, you know, people say, you know, oh, poor dog. And why are you putting him through this? We're not putting him through anything. So he, well, he can't really move on his own. Um, he's on this giant landscape cart that takes up half of our family room. And if you pull his wagon in, which is like, a, compared to that, it's like a little BMW that, you know, goes places. He starts barking. You better be ready to take him out when you pull that wagon in because the barking starts, it doesn't end until he's on his way down the road. Yeah. Um, and same thing with his cart. It, you know, it, his quality is there. His fire is there. And um, so I was excited to get started with him and I, I couldn't get it in him. And I reached out to Carter and I said, I, I can't get it in him. And I'm pretty brave. I'm pretty um, creative. Um, and, you know, so he was going over some alternatives with me. Now this dog opens his mouth while I drop it in. It's, Isn't that great? I'm finding that happening a lot. I, we just did it with the new rescue that we got and I went to give it to her and she fought me, fought me, fought me. And then I put it in her ear and then she smelled it. And then I just held it so that she could smell the dropper and she starts licking it out of the thing. I'm like, <laughs> there I we think go. it's that they're so used to, you're trying to put a medicine or something down their throat. But for some reason, the moment they smell it, I think they know that it's natural. And then my Doberman, she comes and asks, she hears a firework, thunder, anything. She comes and sits next to me and I'm like, okay, why? And I don't even see clouds and I can see way off in the distance that she's heard thunder coming and she asks for it now. It's awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. Know. You, know, you know, the more I learn about self-selection, um, the, the more I wonder if they aren't, you know, I thought, I thought, thought this doesn't, this doesn't like, I, I, it doesn't really taste good. Um, I, I'm surprised, and I think it is, you know, self self selection, self medication. Just need to see. It's really neat to see. I know. Um, and you know, now now understanding the product better, um, I'm using it differently with 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 seizures. And we have a dog with um, some really serious and very unusual heart disease, and um, it's his it's it's his pulmonic valve and it's the vein that goes into the lungs. There's a really bad narrowing there. So the heart is trying really hard to push stuff into lungs to get oxygen and it's not working out so great. And for a while we've had a very good quality for him with medication. And now we're having problems. When he saw the cardiologist about a month ago, the cardiologist was kind of trying to tactfully say, I can't believe this dog is still alive. <laughs> um, but at that time he didn't see any evidence of heart failure but things can change fast. And so 
in his with his form of failure, it's actually not going to his lungs are not going to fill up so fast as his belly is going to fill up. It's the right side of his heart, and it's going to back up to the liver and the abdomen. Wow. And he's got a weird shape to begin with. And I'm looking at him. He, he's any kind of exertion would cause him to pass out. Um, so we're trying to limit his exertion, see if we can figure this out. Um, and um, I've I've added in a diuretic um, to to see if we could get a little bit of fluid off of his belly. And I've been adding in about 10 times more CBD than diuretic. And he is not passing out right now. Um, Touch wood, it's been two and a half days. Touching wood. Very, very, very cool. And, And like I said, so many of these things, if you can quiet them down, if you can quiet their system, stuff levels out and there's a new normal. Right. And they can start healing themselves. Yep. yep the beautiful yep. thing about it. it well, really we're is. out of time and I know we can sit here and talk all day. I do want you to keep track of your stories so that we can do a follow-up and chat again and compare stories. Um, uh, where can people find you and more information about you so they can follow you? Oh, thank you. Uh, we have a website, uh, monkeyshouse.org, and it's M-O-N-K-E-Y-S-H-O-U-S-E. It's no apostrophe. And then we have a Facebook page, um, Monkey's House Dog Hospice and Sanctuary. And we also have a we also have Instagram and um, Twitter. That's awesome. Thank you, Michelle. It was so nice to see you again. Angela, so nice to see you. Thank you so much. Wonderful work, and we'll let you know when this is released so you can share it with everybody. Stay thank safe. you so much. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.